On this DMV Sports Roundtable, despite a terrible start to their season and losing John Wall due to that heel surgery, the Wizards are hanging around in the playoff race and have again played better with Wall out of the lineup. Redskins president Bruce Allen, after more than a year and a half of silence, answers questions of why fans should consider him the right person to continue leading the team's front office. I share their passion for this franchise. I share the pa- passion for the, uh, the things that we can accomplish. And... Uh, we're going to get this whole organization believing in it. Allen spoke at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. The Skins have hired veteran defensive mind Ray Horton as defensive backs coach. Follow us on Twitter at DMV Sports Round 1. You've got most of our regular voices here, George Wallace and Jamal Bowens. I'm Dimitri Sotis. And on the phone with us, we've got Wizards Radio Network studio host Brian Alvin, also with Wizards Radio 24-7. We are uh, recording the day after the Wiz hosted Kevin Durant and Golden State. That's never an easy time for Washington, Brian, but... What's your assessment of uh, of the team and, you know, the fact that they kind of hung with them last night? Yeah, so I think the, uh, the positive thing that Scott Brooks said after the game that I agreed with was, you know, if, if you were to look at the first time these two teams got together in Oracle back in October, the Warriors were playing pretty lights out and the Wizards laid down in the second half and ended up losing by 25, 30 points, whatever it was. Uh, well, against Golden State in Capital One Arena, Every time it looked like the Warriors were about to break it open, they would get a lead up to 11, they would get a lead up to 14. The Wizards, they just kept battling. They answered with a run. You know, they got it down to two with about six minutes to go. But then finally Golden State had one last 13-2 push to put the game away. But it's at least good to see this is a Wizards team for the past about month and a half or so they have remained competitive. They, They don't lay down and get blown out anymore. And I want to say something like 10 of their first 21 games of the season, they lost by double digits or more, which sort of showed a willingness that uh, when the going got tough, they were more than willing to just lay down and let it turn on them. I thought they did well to hang with Golden State, but I thought it was dangerous, especially in the first half, because they were playing a style that feeds right into what Golden State wants to do. They were getting up and down. They were, you know, moving the ball, passing the ball. But there was a very quick pace and that feeds right in what you know Golden State wants to do. Golden State can play any pace you want to. They have the, you know, the personnel to do so. But I, I, I commend them for being able to stick with that with a team that they were pretty much playing their game. And you know, per man, you know, it, they got they have better personnel. They have better players. You got flat five all stars on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> so flat out, you you can't compete with that. But the fact that they did and did it in a way that. You know, was still in Golden State's comfort zone, and they could still remain competitive in that game. If that's anybody else, they win that game. Well, and Beal said that too. He says, if we play like this against every other team in the league, or twenty-five other teams, whatever he said, and that's what they have. We'll to be do. fine. Yeah, right. Scott Brooks kind of said the same thing. That yeah, you, know, you make defensive mistakes against a lot of other teams in the league. The way we played and came back from it, we mm-hmm. would be okay, yeah. but not in a game, not against a team like no, Golden State. No, so, not with Curry looks like he's playing horse every time he steps on the court. It's, it's <laughs> unbelievable. It really is. Yeah. And I think if you look at the defensive mistakes that, you know, we're talking about, a lot of the defensive mistakes were because they were being so aggressive and trying to deny the three-point line to the Warriors. Um you know, the Warriors only shot 7 of 20 from 3 in that game. And you think of how you get blown out by the Warriors, it's because you let them just go off on you hit 23s in a game. 
Well, what turned out to be funny was Golden State came into the game last night last in the league in points in the paint, averaging under 42 per game. The Wizards were being so aggressive at taking away the three-point line that like a championship team does, the Warriors just made adjustments. Yeah. They went back door a lot. They slipped on their screens. Uh, they hit some alley-oops. They got in on transition. They ended up getting 70 points in the paint. So it, it turns out to sort of be a backwards game, the Wizards being the team that shot 42 threes, hit 15. Warriors only shot 20, hit 7. Uh, but the fact that the Wizards were putting up so many threes, I think that helped keep them in the game, actually, even though at times it looked like Golden State was getting whatever they wanted at the rim. It's funny when you see Curry's stat line with 2 of 8 from 3, you're like, right. all right. That's good. I mean, you know what? Especially a team like Golden State, like Brian said, they're going to. That's a championship team. They're going to make adjustments. But the the mere fact that the the, the Wizards defended the three point line was a refreshing sight because that's not something they do at all. And it's been like that, you know, for for several years. But it was good. Yeah, they made the adjustments. They backdoored them. You know, they. But Golden State does that. They they come out with guys. I don't, who the hell is McKinney? He all of a sudden he busts on the scene and he's getting layups, uh, wide open layups. I never even heard of this dude before. But the fact that the, they made a conscious effort to defend the three point line, if they can sustain that, especially against teams in the East, they'll be fine. For sure. And you know, you talk about. How does a guy like Alfonso McKenney show up? Well, I think the one thing you've learned with the Wizards this year, you know, it's not like Thomas Bryant was some coveted free agent. They got him mm. off the waiver wire. Uh, he's been able to shine in his opportunity. I mean, there's a lot of good players out there. And in the case of a guy like McKenney, when you're on the court with at least three all-stars at all times, it's a lot easier to look good. Then, if you're on a team like Orlando, where there are no all-stars and you actually have to be responsible for creating for yourself. So, you know, uh, it's a situation Golden State can plug in at the fringes of their roster every single year, just random guys, because they have that core infrastructure of really six all-stars when you consider Iguodala at a point Mm -hmm. in his career was an all-star player. It's just, it's, it's unreal. Yeah, and that was my main point because it seems like every time I see Golden State play, it's somebody else just creeps out of the woodwork you've never heard of, 13th, 12th guy off the bench, and then ends up having a great game because you do have the infrastructure that you mentioned. You know, guys like Looney have, and McCall, those guys have now become pretty good players that people know about. You have the McKinney's, and they got other guys. Quinn's on the bench. You got other guys you've never really heard of but when you do watch Golden State games, one or two of those guys, every game will flash. Brian, what about longer-term trends for the Wiz, including what to do with John Wall? I'm not suggesting he's got to go. I'm just saying, you know, people are noticing for the second year in a row that his absence due to injury is uh, somehow helping the team. So it's interesting because it's a little different this year than it was a year ago. Um, a year ago... At the end of the day, the Wizards' record was still better with John Wall there than it was without him. Now, you could debate that the records were actually really more even and where it started to get worse without him was towards the end of the year when he was in and out of the lineup after returning. You know, He would play one game, miss one game, play the next game, miss one game. And so the Wizards sort of fell out of rhythm just completely, and that affected them towards the end of the regular season. This year, the data has been clear that they have been a much better team since he has been out than they were when he was playing this year. Now, this is where it gets tough because 
sometimes the easiest explanation is the right one, is the reason why the Wizards were so much worse without him, because he was hurt. And he was unable to play to the best of his ability, yet he was still out on the court and a shell of himself. Therefore, the defense was lagging because he was just getting blown by left and right on the perimeter. Or was it a matter of he wasn't getting up for all the games the same way based on the opponent because we did see him go off against the Lakers, look like the five-time All-Star we know him to be. We saw him go off against the Celtics, but when they would play a lower-level team like the Cavs, he would have a game where he scored one point in 26 minutes. Was it the injury, or was it him, or was it a combination? It's so hard to know. The one thing I do think that we have learned from this stretch is that Bradley Beal is now the face of your franchise. And whether John is himself when he comes back next year or whether he's, you know, sort of showing some mileage, whatever the case may be, this team should run through Brad from now on, I think is the true answer. And it's sort of going to be incumbent on John if he is part of this team going forward to blend into the style that they have taken up, which has sort of been predicated first defensive-minded. They have been so much better on the defensive end in the month of January. They've actually been the fourth most efficient defense in the league in the month of January. So, you know, the identity of this team going forward has to be defensive-minded first and then on offense, full of ball movement, full of player movement. You can't really have one guy dominating the ball, which is the way it's been. Uh, when John's been in the lineup, I don't. You know what? When it comes to John being them being better with John and without, it's not sort of the record for me. It's it's the eye test. I see how this team plays without him. The ball does not stick. Uh, he has almost. It's almost like he had a Carmelo like effect on his offense. It was like with a black hole. Now the ball is moving. People are playing with confidence. Sadoransky, for whatever reason, always plays his best ball when John is not with the team or not on the floor, period. Also, guys step up. You have more uh, continuity. They're, they're more consistent from game to game, offensively and defensively, especially effort-wise, when John is not on the floor. Whatever the record is or not without him, it really doesn't matter to me. I'm looking at how this team plays when he's on the floor and then when he's not with the team, and it's a whole nother team, and it's more of a team. Yes, it runs through Brad. That's hands down right now. That's his team. But he does not have to be ball dominant. That's what I'm loving about what Beal is doing. He is being an all-star. He's playing at an all-star level. But everything does not have to go through him every time. He can facilitate, and when it's time for him to step up and take over late in the game, he can do it. If he's got to drop 30, he'll do it. But no one else suffers because he gets his. Everybody else still eats. But when John eats, everybody else plays a little bit light. The one thing I do wanna I do wanna be fair to John because here here is the deal. If we go back two years ago, John Wall had a career year and he was ball dominant then too. And that Wizards team won forty nine games and a lot of people were able to thrive alongside him. John when he is a hundred percent is able to do special things in terms of his playmaking ability where even when the offense looks stagnant, he has the ability just through drawing the defense in and making whether it be a special over-the-top pass or a drop-down pass off the no look to a big man, he has the ability to still make guys better even in a ball-dominant system. Um, 
But I think what we have seen is that it is for the better of everybody to be playing a more egalitarian system. And I do think John needs to sort of adapt his game to that to make this team better. But at the same time, I also want to be fair to him and try and acknowledge that it is possible and we should be thinking that it would be reasonable to think that part of the reason it hasn't looked as good the last two years is because he's been injured. Yeah, there's no question about that. And I don't, I mean, you know, and all the, you know, John Wall is a, is a all-star point guard. Let's not, you know. No, no one's discounting John To your John point Wall. about, but to your point, but, you know, and the last year we heard Wall say when he came back at the end of March that day, and then he's, you know, you heard him say he's going to have to adapt the way this team is playing now a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to have to see it again. Oh, he's not going to come back this year, but, you know, it's... It's almost, I, I want I want to see that. You know, you mentioned Sadaransky. Sadaransky's playing well because he knows there's nobody. He's not right. going to yanked for it, so he's able to just play ball and you see what he can do, which is what I love. We saw that last year yeah. too. And this roster is different than what Brian was talking about two years ago, because to me, you have this. You have a, a young big three. Now I'm going to call them a big three. But a young nucleus of three players in Brown, Bryant, and Robinson, if they ever really give them a shot, that I feel they need to be developed. You have It's a different sort of roster with guys that kind of need to be uh, developed because there is talent there on that roster when you don't have that looming presence. And sometimes they're allowed to do that if yeah. Brooks lets them do that. That's the other part about it. You notice that you know when Bryant got his time, Howard hasn't been there. He has nobody... You know, oh, Mahin, I forgot about Mahinmi is exactly Mahinmi is Mahinmi, <laughs> but Bryant has. Been, I don't. I don't think Bryant would be able to do what he's done with Dwight Howard over his shoulder, so to speak. You know, that may be may be over. You know, analyzing that. Yeah. But I, I just feel that that might not be there with these young guys they have. And we're talking about Wall to me, and and Brian, I really want to know this from you. I think if you're looking at moving somebody. It's got to be auto. I mean, to me, right now, his value is up. He's playing great off the bench, but he is a max player on the bench. He's not going to stay there. He's going to get healthier. But if you're not going to move well, you're definitely not going to move Bill. You need assets, and this team also needs cap relief because Ernie has put them in a real bind in terms of that. So in order to alleviate some of that, your best candidate right now is auto. And I think right now, the way he's playing, and he's going to get healthier— you can get a, a pretty his, I think his value is probably you get a decent it's peaking right now. Yeah. Even though they said they're not going, they're not looking to trade him. I, I would really advise them against that. Brian, what do you think about that? <laughs> you would advise. Yeah, I, I would advise them. Like I'm some, like like I'm somebody. I was gonna say, well, if Ernie <laughs> takes your call, then you can tell him. No, Ernie will never take my call. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I am not one who likes to play general manager, so to say. But if if I was going to have my opinion on where you really look at this thing long term, uh, for one, anybody is tradable if somebody's calling with the right offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. and it's we don't know what those calls sound like, so it's hard. It's mostly just guessing from our point of view, but. What I really think needs to be done, I look at this last 35 games, it's a great opportunity for the Wizards to really finally develop a vision of what they should look like going forward. Because you have 35 games here without John Wall. And it should become clear to me at the end of this half season if you could actually see a legitimate future without him, 
or if you realize that, man, without him, we just don't have close to enough. Mm -hmm. He's the best option we have to build a consistent playoff team, so we got to build it around him. And to me, that means it goes one of two ways. If this team, say, in the last 35 games goes something like 23 of 14, Brad looks like he can carry the load of being the number one guy on a contending team, and Otto is thriving in this more egalitarian system, my honest opinion is then you sort of have to look to trade John Wall because that salary is going to be a behemoth. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you can get it off your books, you give yourself a legitimate opportunity, maybe not next year because you'll probably have to take some bad salaries back, but maybe you clear up cap space sooner and you can go to really building a young core of, or building a team with Brad as the centerpiece, Otto is sort of the number two guy, and making sure you hold on to Thomas Bryant, Thomas Adaransky, building complementary pieces to what you already have around that. If the last 35 games doesn't go well and this team misses the playoffs, don't really make a real run at it, yeah, then you're probably looking at having discussions about moving Otto because you have to get rid of somebody's salary in order to start, you know, being confident that you can keep Sadoransky, you can keep Bryant, and sort of rebuild the roster in a different way. I personally believe in Otto Porter uh, big time. I don't like the idea of getting rid of Otto, but again, if the right offer is there and, you know, that's up to the beholder to decide what the right offer is, you know, you have to listen to all offers at this point in time. Oh, I think there's no question you have to listen to everything. Yeah, you do. I mean, the biggest question mark for me is, as you mentioned, can can auto thrive as the second option? We haven't seen that on a consistent basis. I think for him making the max money that he's making – yeah, he is great off the bench right now, and he's still getting healthy. So I'm not holding him. He's doing what he's doing. He needs to do that, and he's playing well. But that can't be your role. Uh, we don't have that that luxury, you know the luxury to, right. to, to have a max guy coming off the bench for the duration. When right does now, Howard get back? Who knows? Is know. it this season? I've lost track. Brian, when's Howard get back? This so nobody something. really knows. Nobody knows. We still don't know. Okay, but it was it was suggested by him. Um, in December, he was down in Atlanta, and he said probably two to three months, which would put him on track for March. Marchish, yeah. Um, but I, I have my doubt. Yeah, right. Most mysterious glutes in the league. Nobody <laughs> knows what's wrong with this man's butt. Brian, what if they uh, get in the playoffs, but it's a repeat of last season? You know, just barely squeaking in. So I am always going to be a proponent of this great value of being in the playoffs. You know, forget the actual revenue value, which would be important to ownership because it's nice to have two to three extra home games at the very least to sell tickets for and all of that. I just think you gain more experience and you gain more positive momentum in a season when you play those real battles that come in a playoff series. And look, they squeaked into the playoffs last year against Toronto. In retrospect, they weren't that far from winning that series. Right. Uh, you know, if you look at how that series went, the Wizards had opportunities in both Game One and Game Five in Toronto. Those were fifty-fifty games in the fourth quarter. They just didn't get it done. They weren't that far away. Um, so I think there's value in making the playoffs, especially if you are using this last thirty-five games is sort of a we're trying to determine our future and we're trying to determine if. 
this team, if we were to, you know, decide that we need to separate from John Wall in order to make Bradley Beal the clear alpha male on this team, is Bradley Beal as alpha male something that if we then were able to bring in some complementary pieces uh, by removing Wall from the situation that we all believe can really contend in the East? I do want to go back to the thing about Otto quickly and just rephrase sort of what I was saying. I said number two options. The thing is, I don't really believe in the concept that you need, you know, clear, definitive number one, number two, number three guy. I don't believe in the idea of a big three being necessary to be a good team. You look at what's been going on in Indiana the past couple of seasons. Victor Oladipo has been the star, but would anybody really agree on who the second best player on that Pacers team is? No, because it doesn't really matter. They They have found a cohesion. They found a chemistry that works for them. And on a certain night, it's Miles Turner who gets 20 for them. On another night, it's Thad Young. On another night, it's Tyreek Evans. On another night, it's Sabonis. Like, they, you don't really need to have guys in clear-cut roles. And I think that's the type of thing that Otto thrives in because Otto doesn't demand touches. Otto doesn't need to be promised certain plays. But Otto will find a flow in a game, whether it's making the right cut whether it's seeing an opportunity to crash the glass for a weak side uh, offensive tip-in, whether it's getting his hands in the passing lane, leading the transition opportunities. He can find 20 points in a game. He just has to feel involved in it. And when the ball has been stagnant for the Wizards in the first half of the year, Otto can't thrive in that. It feels like his basketball purity sort of dies when just the offense is just one guy going one-on-one. You know, John and Brad interchanging pick-and-roll sets and nobody really moving. I don't think you need to look at him as a number two. It's just he needs to be in the right system where he can thrive. And right now, the Wizards are playing a style of ball where I think you're seeing how Otto Porter can thrive on a court. Yeah, that's great, and I, I agree with all that. And that was a good example using the Pacers, but the Pacers don't have three max players, I don't believe. It's not what Otto can do. It's what you're getting paid kind of puts you, okay, you're up here now. We expect more from you. When you get max money, whether it's fair or not, that's what's expected of you to be, if not the top option, at least the top three option on your team if you're making that much money. His game is conducive to exactly what you said, which is why in the first place I didn't feel like they really needed to pay him that money, but that's the cost of doing business in the NBA right now. So in order to keep him, that's what you had to do. And does he play like a max? No, he doesn't. But that's what he's getting paid. He is exactly what you said he was. He is he is a, a, a above average, a very good role player, so to speak. He's a utility guy, and he can give you – he can he can come in and give you rebounds defensive wise he can put up uh, 20 30 points steals he can do everything but when you're making what he's making right now as a max player more is put on you in terms of expectations and whether it's it's fair or not you get locked into first second third option based on your pay not necessarily based on your game yeah you know the the, the only thing i disagree with on that is just you know, if if you're a fan, I think that's the way you're typically going to look at it because, you know, we're paying this guy this much money. We expect this much production out of him. But if an organization 
is placing expectations on their players based on how much they're making instead of an actual basketball philosophy, then you're not going to go anywhere. I mean, if it was about how much money guys were earning, Thomas Bryant wouldn't be given the freedom to perform the way he's performed over these past few months because he's making a million dollars. I mean, you know, if, if it was all about money, that it's how we're going to sign the way guys should play. Bradley Beal isn't comfortable giving that ball up to Thomas Bryant in London on the last play because it's the right basketball play. It's, it's, it comes down to what you said. They had to pay Otto the max because it was the cost of doing business. It was either pay him the max or let him go to Sacramento. And considering the lack of salary cap room they had and they could only go over the cap to add players they already had, you had to pay Otto that money and keep him. But you can't change Otto now just because you're play, uh, paying him that money. You can't ask him to be a player that he's not. And I think what he's proven is he, his numbers will end up looking like number three numbers, number two numbers even, if he's playing in the right system, if he's playing in a style of basketball which he thrives and. The month of January has been that. He has been thriving, no doubt, because this is a Wizards team that is sharing the ball more. There's more player movement off the ball. They're more active defensively. He's thriving in that. So I don't want to get caught up on how much Otto makes is a sort of indicator of what he should be doing. I think it's more of the team needs to be playing a certain way. And when they do, Otto is a great person to have on your team. I think but th- that comes with the expectations along with where he was drafted. We're not talking about somebody that was drafted, you know, 15, 17, 20, or even in the second round. This was a, a, a top five pick. And they drafted him on that potential when you draft somebody that high to be uh, a star or at least a franchise type player. And then when you come back and give that person that money, you're giving the in the potential that that's the type of player that you or envisioning them to be. Now, was he miscast? Probably. But I'm just saying that it, money, it, it, the GM also looks at it on the floor. They, they want to see that. The team wants to see it on the floor also. It's got nothing to do with, uh, with, with, with Bryant getting the ball from Bill because of how much money he makes. That's just that's playing the game. That's different. In terms of what's expected of you and your role on the team, Unfortunately, yes, sometimes it does come down to how much you're, you're, you're being paid. And that's across sports. If a team is investing a lot into a player, they're, they're expecting return on investment. And that's, that's just business, period, whether it be sports or anything else in life. You expect if you're paying this person this much money, you're expecting a certain amount of uh of return of production back for what you have invested in that person. Now, if, if Otto is not, yeah, he's not that type of player. And we see that now. And maybe it was, it was misrepresented and miscasted, but it's something that the team just had to do. But when you draft him where he was drafted and you're paying what he's paying them, teams generally do that for players that be, that they want to be beyond uh, just role players. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I'm on a different side of this because I think they knew who Otto was when they gave him that max contract. And I think the reality of the situation was if there were no competing bidders and he wasn't a restricted free agent and had they, had they, they could have signed him for less, they probably would have. 
but it was restricted free agency in Sacramento right. threw a max offer sheet at him. And you had two options. It was match it or let him walk. And if you let him walk at that time, the Wizards still only had 5 or $6 million in salary cap space. You weren't going to get anybody close to as talented and as young as Otto Porter to have on your roster as a complimentary piece to John and Brad. I don't think they ever re-upped on him for the max, expecting him to become something he wasn't. I think they re-upped and kept him on the max because it was the best option at the time and because they expected that he would continue to flourish in the role that he was flourishing in, Mm. which is being a third wheel who doesn't always have to be noticeable. But when you look at it at the end of the year, his real plus minus is going to be fantastic. He's going to get the most deflections on the team. He's going to get the most steals on the team. He's going to shoot 40-plus percent from three, and he's just sort of a perfect fit. I think that's the unfortunate reality of the game sometimes is that you have to pay guys more than you would if it was up to you in order to put yourself in the best situation. Mm -hmm. And just based on what you're paying them, if you change the expectations on them to something that they're not, then it's not going to work out. You just sort of have to accept who they are and try to make it work the best you can within that context. Will you guys still be friends even though you'll never agree on auto? <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course, of course. But, I mean, I just think that it, I think they expected him to flourish in that role a little more than he has. And to be honest, we're talking about Wall's health, and Otto's not necessarily the most healthiest person in the world all the time. Uh, but you can come out of that because Bill was always banged up, and he's been – you know, up front and present for the last couple of seasons, so he can he can come out of that. He's young enough to do that. But I wouldn't call that an argument. I was no. enjoying the conversation. <laughs> that was no, maybe, it's, maybe it's, the mildest it's, argument we've yeah, ever had. It's, on it's here. not even an argument. It's, it's a tête-à-tête. Brian, are you writing anything you want to promote on every weekday day game? I've got the Wizards Power Hour at five o'clock. Uh, it's sort of just a extended pregame show where I try to do some deep dives into. Whatever statistical trends are going on with the team, we take a look at what's going on in the NBA, uh, talk about things like All-Star Weekend. Uh, got some Every now and then we have some guests on the show from the, team, uh, the markets of the teams we're playing. So we just try to get you as prepared as possible for Wizards games. Uh, Wizards Radio 24-7, you can find it either on the Wizards app or www.wizardsradio247.com. Brian, thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks Brian. Brian. Appreciate, appreciate it, man. it. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. See you later. More of the DMV Sports Roundtable on the way. First, there's another podcast we'd appreciate you checking out. Imagine the home you've always known sinking into oblivion. We want to save a community, a, a way of life. A Virginia island, population 460, is being swallowed by the Chesapeake Bay. The first full-fledged town that's probably going to get lost to sea level rise in America. Can disaster be stopped? Should it be? Shall the Lord destroy Tangier? Going Under, the story of Tangier Island. Available on Podcast One, iTunes, and at goingunderpodcast.com. Let's move to the Skins. We're going to hear a little more from Redskins President Bruce Allen, who this week said they're close to becoming a contender, sending every sports columnist in Washington into a tizzy. You know, our, our season had was a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, we had uh, great hopes early in the year. Halfway through the season, we were in good shape, and and then uh, we didn't finish strong. I'm not going to use injuries as an excuse because we had opportunities to win some games at the end that we didn't. And it's that determination that we need and that desire we need in order to 
get into the playoffs this year. So he spoke after a long silence. And I see why he doesn't speak. Yeah. Well, he's, 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 he's smooth. He's always smooth. He's smooth. Yes. That's uh, a, as a pitch no, man, you know. No, it's like to hear, not, him, no. to hear him tell it, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. That's what I find well, so impressive about him. That's not smooth. That's delusional. Well, that's when you've heard that's what their pitch has been. But you've heard that before. He's a used car I'm saying that's been there since the end of the year with the no coaching changes and everything. They're close. That's they really believe they're six and three. What? And they were close to going to the playoffs. Come on, man. I'm just telling you what I, they I, believe. I, I in that building, that is what I, they believe. And, and unfortunately, that means the delusion is all over that building. Well, yeah, we've from, known that from, for quite some yeah, time. Yeah, but, you know, I, I just don't talk. And then for him to sit here and say that Minuski was in the room. Yeah, supposedly. When they interviewed, suppose, supposedly, let me do air quotes, right. allegedly, but he said it. In the room, when they interviewed people for his job? Basically his job to get perspective. Where the hell did job. they do that? Yeah. I don't believe that. I have never that. in all my years heard of believe, anything. And if you believe Lachan Forrest's report that Snyder flew Bowles here on his plane and begged him to take the defensive coordinator job, there's no way Minuski was in the room on that. I mean, I mean if, if he was or if he wasn't, why, so why, why would he say that? What, did he get confused? No, I think he doesn't. He just believes. He believes it. He, he believes. He, he believes. He believes himself. he was in the room. No, he believes. <laughs> Bruce believes things that he's saying. Like he believes it. That's not so. True. So okay. Now I get what you're saying. So people who are liars, they feel like if you believe the lie, it's not a lie. Seinfeld, best line. It's not exactly. a lie. It's not a lie. <laughs> if, you if you believe it. Yeah. How about the other thing? That Jay Gruden not at the Senior Bowl. I mean, come on. I thought he was supposed to get out there. He's uh, yeah, still not there? I don't there? think he's there. I don't think he went. What does that mean? And he is supposed to be interviewing 20 or 30. We talk about this, too. Yeah. 20 or 30 people for what jobs? Who knows? Coaches' jobs. But you have was one left? Yeah, now one. They so got, it's a linebacker coach. You gotta, you gotta, he's got to stay here. Yeah. To interview people, but he's for, supposed to talk to people down there down too. There. This is a team that needs so a quarterback. Many, how many to be people looking is at he? These, right, you know these players exactly, and he's the the quarterback whisperer. It's like it gets better and better. Like you know, McLuhan wasn't there. Remember two years ago or three, whatever it was, and then his grandmother and, died. You know, and then he threw Doug under the bus again. He's like, well, you know, Doug doesn't want to discuss. Wanna do contracts. He doesn't want to do contracts. Yeah. That's why we don't have a GM. Right. Doug doesn't doesn't want to deal with that, so I'll take care of that. And and Doug can do the the football stuff, and that's how he justifies himself himself still being there. Ray Horton is he eventually going to move into the defensive coordinator position? Is that why he's Ray, on board now? Ray was discussed. He was in the discussion as defensive coordinator before he went to the Browns. He was a name that was mentioned, and I was kind of on board for that. I guess you know he's got experience. He's he's been around. Uh, his defenses have not necessarily. Uh, been great against the past, so I'm not sure. I don't have much expectations. But bringing him in, along with having Tom Sula there and Minuski, is Minuski still really the defense coordinator? Because I think Tom Sula should have some say because he's done a hell of a job with this line. Uh, and I think I would actually put my vote for Tom Sula to be the defense coordinator. Mm-hmm. You know, once again, he's one of those guys that – as a head coach, it, no, not so much. He he didn't make it. But as a coordinator coach, I have full confidence in him. And these young guys on the defensive line seem to love his style of coaching. And I think that would be contagious for everybody. Horton is in there. We'll we'll see how that shakes out. But as as usual, this team is it's it's a mystery of how they go about doing things. They say and do things I've never heard of. And then when you hear the reports of the arrogance, it's so evident. And so from a fan perspective, you would have rather not heard from Bruce Allen this past week. All it did is stir up 
uh, anger or resentment or I would have rather heard from Bruce Allen when everything was going on with the Reuben Foster situation. And if he, in fact, is holding that title of GM and if he, in fact, was the one who was reportedly the one that, you know, had the last say. I want him to talk then, not send Doug Williams out there with some sort of uh, getting himself in trouble because he misworded something or said something in a certain way that people took uh, in a different context or hiding behind a statement that Doug read. If you're that guy, then you should have been talking then. I don't want to hear you at the senior bowl. Don't come back months later, you know, when when the stuff hit the fan, then be on the forefront. I mean, coming out of the senior bowl, it's... They're throwing you softballs. Nobody is really. And when they really try to ask him some questions, of course, he's, you know, savvy enough to try to sidestep it and not really, you know, give them much. He was asked straight out about the fire uh, Bruce Allen hashtag. And he kind of the look on his face. You could tell he was a little pissed, but he didn't really try to let it show too much in his answer. He really didn't give much of one. He spun it and said, uh, look, fans are passionate and they're showing it through right. that hashtag and I'm just as passionate. That was kind of how but, he rolled. And they've and they've been doing it. They're snake oil salesmen. They spin it. They could be him and Dan Snyder could easily, you know, be lobbyists or they would have a lot of success on Capitol Hill because they are spinning with the with the best of them when it comes to Washington. That's saying a lot. Well, let's get away from the skins for a while and talk about teams that actually went deep into the postseason. Should the uh, Saints be in this Super Bowl 53 instead of the L.A. Rams? You can make a case this should be Kansas City and, and, and New Orleans. Uh, Saints more than the Chiefs. Saints yes. more than Chiefs, yeah. yeah. But, you know, people are going to have their conspiracy theories that, you know, they wanted to see the Patriots and, you know, it is what it is. You know, end of the day, the call is the call. And whether the NFL admits it's wrong or not, nothing changes. You're not going to swap out teams in the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, the Rams are still going to the Super Bowl no they matter what. They no wanted matter Goodell what. to do it. There's a, there's a rule that he could do it. He's not going to do that. No, he's not going he's to not do, gonna that. do that. First of all, I mean, the, that would be the, you know, the ballsiest call ever for a commissioner. I don't think that's never been, that's never been done. Benjamin Watson, what did he say to Goodell? He wrote a, a, uh, a statement. Yeah, we all realized football is an imperfect game, played, coached, and officiated by imperfect people. What occurred last Sunday, though, was outside of that expected and accepted norm. You continued silence in this matter is unbecoming of the position you hold, detrimental to the integrity of the game, and disrespectful and dismissive to football fans everywhere. From the locker room to Park Avenue, accountability is what makes... Yep. And who's writing that? Ben Watson. Ben Watson. From the Saints, who didn't play. Yeah. I think he had a, he was in a hospital with appendicitis. But he's a, wow. he's a veteran of the NFL, has been around quite some time. You know, he, I think he was a Man of the Year award winner. He's, he's, he's one of the quality guys uh, in the league. The NFL is, is ass backwards at times. I would like to have seen Breeze against Brady, Belichick, Peyton... As the two older great, which is what I predicted last week, anyway. Right. Um, I, I was actually right. You yes, you were. Right I was actually loaded. right. Yes. Can we go back and hear that? <laughs> I don't know. Right? That's, I, I have evidence. That's true. You can go back and hear it, and so can everybody listening. I, I if you go it. to the WTOP app, I, I hit it. the listen <laughs> button, <laughs> and it'll uh, pop right up. I would like to have seen that. Yeah. Because um, you know, but then again, conversely, you know, on the other side. 
if you have you the changing of the guards where you have yeah. Mahomes against golf and you've got McVay, the yeah. young up and coming uh, against, you know, Reed. the old and Reed, but you've got the two young quarterbacks, that would have been exciting. I told you last week, you could have flipped a coin. Yeah, we said that. And pulled, yeah. you know, put a name out of a hat. It doesn't really matter which one of the four you, you pulled. It was going to be entertaining. Yeah. I still I, I still like the dynamic and the storyline and you know the NFL loves the storylines of the young upstart McVay, youngest oh, court, yeah. youngest coach he in the league against yesterday. the you know the old curmudgeon the grizzled vet that is Belichick. It's going to be an interesting chess match cuz you have two guys that are very very, very detailed. different but very different. Yeah, yeah. Detailed, yes. Yes. And they're both methodical but very different in their approach. Yeah. In, in, in how they, they go about things. And it's almost like the new guard going against, you know, the, the old yeah. regime of, of what the standard of coaching in the NFL is. And I'm excited to see that. I, w- I would be more excited to see Breeze against Brady. Golf is a, is a, yeah. is a fine quarterback. Next year. But it's not like, you're, not like last week when you're excited to see how Mahomes matches up. Correct. And matches wits with Brady. You're not really looking for uh, – for golf to do too much against Brady. I don't see the Patriots. I'm like, I'm going to tease everybody, okay? Let's, we're not going to get no pr- predictions, uh, predictions yet, but, but no. I don't see the Patriots losing back-to-back Super Bowls. Really? I, you know what? I, I don't either. And to this, and it, Because, again, the Patriots have showed it again. You do not know who's going to show up. Yeah. You don't know who's, whose day it's going to be. It could be a Rex Burkhead day. You're looking for Gronk and, and Edelman. There are no shows. Here comes James White. Right. Sony Michelle. Philip Dorsett. Yep. Dorsett ain't done a damn thing all season. But all of a sudden, here he goes. So, and also, I don't know what's going on with Gurley. They said he's healthy. Yeah. He sure the hell did not look healthy. No. As much as they he rely on Gurley I know. and, and use him as a bell cow. C.J. Anderson, and I know C.J. Is, is, has been a 1,000-yard rusher, and he had a great game the week before, but this is the game to go to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and he's out snapping Todd Gurley, and you're going to sit there and tell me nothing's wrong? Be interesting. While Gurley is on, on the bike? So it's going to be somehow this, this plays out, and it's good. They have two weeks, yep. so then they can say, oh, no, everything's, everything's fine. fine. <laughs> everything's cool. Whatever that was. Yeah. Oh, we're not it was, seeing it, was it anymore. We were just, you know, we were we were saving we him. We just playing. You can't say that. You can't. Yeah, no, nah, we were just playing. Yeah, we don't want to give everything. No, no, give no. Them all you, at once. You, no, I no. got I got more in the tank. I don't know about George. <laughs> I, I can I can tell you a lot now, and I still got more in the tank for you next week. Let's finish up with <laughs> with a very prominent quarterback in the NFL, Carolina Panthers QB Cam Newton. He had arthroscopic shoulder surgery. His tweet is: "This is a minor setback for a major." comeback, but uh, Jamal, you suggested it, it might be an Andrew Luck situation. Be, before he had the surgery, it was speculated this could be an Andrew yeah. Luck type situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, of course, the player's not going to say that, but I think Cam is downplaying this a lot more. Well, he's got to. Yeah, well, yeah and, probably, and it's expected. You yeah. wouldn't expect him to say, well, I'm, I'm done. No, he's not right. going to say that. It could very well be a situation. And look, Carolina's not winning nothing next year. No. You know, if, if they can get a young backup or whoever they have over there now and try to get through the season. Couldn't tell you their And Heineke. Oh, yeah. From Heineke. Old Dominion. Yep. So, I mean, he Chris, was right? decent. Chris? Yeah. He was decent. Yeah. But, I mean, if you get him and then, you know, met, uh, McCaffrey and try to get through the season, if you're guaranteed, not guaranteed, but Uncle have a, Norv will put something together for him down right. there. Right. And, and if, you can, <laughs> if, you, if you don't have Cam this season and they say, look, if you don't rush him back, this season, just get in the season, right? And you will show a similar result as what Andrew Luck had this past season. 
if you're smart, you take that. Because Andrew Luck, to me, comeback player of the year. Had a hell yes. of a season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell of a season. Uh, if it wasn't for some of the numbers of Mahomes and, and Rivers and, and Breeze, he was right up there in the conversation. From a quarterback perspective, he's playing some of the best football ever. And Chi walks in where As we're signing off. out the door. <laughs> Yeah, just want to say that I'm the only one here who called the Rams covering <laughs> uh, to go to the Super Bowl. So, um, and get I out, get, get, out out get out of here over all of you. What do you mean covering? Cover the spread. Okay, well, uh, I called in the window. Oh, you did? I did. Okay, well, that I called in the window. Last minute, you got really you got strong. <laughs> you I mean, got the, you, I'll give you the spread. I called the win, but you get the spread. You're dead. You call, you get the spread. We can share credit. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Chion making a 30-second appearance. The DMV Sports Roundtable is on Apple Podcasts, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, WTOP's mobile app. Just tap listen. We'll preview the Super Bowl next week. And for Redskins fans, large and small, all around the world, God help us.